Good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to our Living with Emuna support group on Wednesday mornings. Great to be together. Really, it's my uh, therapy, and you're a lot less expensive for me. So I just lie on your proverbial couch and uh, share what's ever on my mind. And shockingly, somehow, you must love the donuts and coffee and granola bars, and that's enough to come back each week. Want to thank our Generous Amuna Series sponsors for the year, Drs. Avi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbitz, in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer, uh, both examples of Amuna, inspirations of Amuna. This morning's year is sponsored by Carol Wold, in memory of her brother, Ruvain Rafal, Ben Binyamin. Where's Carol? Is Carol here? Where's Carol hiding? Oh, thank you, Carol. Thank you. By Joni and Sid Abramson, in honor of Susan Siedler's Yurtzeit. Yosef Siedler's beloved mother. Susie was a wonderful member of our community. She was really an example of living with Emuna. She did not have the easiest life, but she always had a Simcha Sachayim, the topic we're studying. Simcha, joy, and zest, and enthusiasm for life. Simcha, said Ravitcher Meyer, is the barometer. It is the metric through which we measure how our Emuna is doing. And if that is the metric and measure, then Susie's Emuna was off the charts. She believed in Hashem, she lived with Hashem, she talked to Hashem, she advanced Hashem's interests, and our community misses her, her neshama should have an aliyah, and her beautiful, beloved son, Yosef, should have a nechama, should have strength and comfort. And also this morning by Yvette and Aaron Kaubloom, in commemoration of the earth side of Aaron's mother, Sarabas Moshe and Aaron's father, Yaakov and Yosef Aaron, thank you to the Kaubloomers for all they do for our community, those neshamas should have an aliyah, thank you, Yvette. Okay, we're going to dive back in, but first one housekeeping note, tonight, was supposed to be the next segment of Rabbis on the Run. I was supposed to give it, but I'm on the run. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just not giving it. So we are postponing, and uh, it'll take place in two weeks. February 1st, Speak supposed to speak about the Rebbe, the Rayats, the Friedrich Rebbe, and his running from Europe, saving his life. We'll talk about that in two weeks. So tonight is uh, postponed. Do not show up. We're going to send an email. I wish there were more ways to let people know. Undoubtedly, someone will come, and then we'll send a angry email that they came and no one was here. <laughs> so let it be known. I apologize in advance. And um, if anyone wants to come and entertain, whoever will show up, feel free to do that. Okay. We are back in Rav Meyer. First of all, his name is not Rav Meyer. His name was Rav Yitzchak Meyer. The Hasidish pronunciation and an affectionate, loving nickname pronunciation of Yitzchak is Itcha. And instead of Meyer is Meyer. So Rav Itcha Meyer is Rav Yitzchak Meyer. Last week someone said, who's Richard Meyer? We're learning this, we keep learning the safer of Richard Meyer. Who's Richard Meyer? Really, this Richard Meyer has such a schuss, he's written such beautiful books. Richard Meyer. So it's, not, it's, not, it's my fault, it's because I wasn't pronouncing it clearly, it's not anyone else's, I'm not making fun. It's not uh, Richard Meyer, it's Rav Itcha Meyer, Rav Yitzchak Meyer Morgan's turn was originally from London, went to school in America, ultimately now today lives in Eretz Yisrael in Yerushalayim. I told you I had the privilege of meeting him last month, two months ago, spending a little bit of time with him. And the Simcha was just, he was exuding everything that we're learning about. That Dveikas and that Simcha and that Amuna, that Bitachon, it just dripped off of him. It came clearly right from him. So again, just to catch you up to where we were. We said Simcha, the sense of joy can only come when you feel whole. A person who feels broken is tzibrochen. Something is missing in their life. Somebody struggling, confronting, challenge, conflict, tension in their home, in their medical life, mental health, physical health, spiritual health. If you feel broken, if you feel something is missing, you can't be besimcha. How could you have joy? 
Well, if that's the case, how can anyone be besimcha? Because everyone's missing something. You have yet to meet anyone who will tell you, I have everything. The person who has the closest thing to everything often feels like they have the least. The person who has the least often feels like they have the most. It's the crazy world in which we live. But nobody has everything. On any given day, what do we, we have this frigid weather. All of us woke up today and we're missing something. What is it, like 68? It's unbelievable. The Rachmanas, the people around the world should have for us. We're not ready for this. So we're all missing something. So how, if you're missing something, can you feel Simcha? So Rav has told us, the answer is, whatever we're missing, Kodesh Baruch of the Ribbon Shalom, you complete me. That's the new coffee cup. We're getting the coffee cups. But the, new, the next one is going to be, you complete me, Hashem, you complete me. Hashem, you complete me. Whatever I'm missing, whatever I'm lacking, in whatever way I don't feel whole, you complete me. I attach myself, I connect, I lean in, I latch on, I grab onto you, and in that way you complete me. There is only one thing showing, there's only one thing, one being, one entity that is whole in the world. And the only thing, the only one who is whole, who is complete is Hashem. The further we are from Him, the more incomplete we are. And the more we attach ourselves to Him, the more we talk to Him, we thank Him, we protest Him, the more we feel His presence in our life, then the more connected we are, the more connected we are to Him. You know, as a Rav Baruch Hashem, I have the great privilege of being involved in many simchas and people's happy news and joyous occasions and great things, but also a lot of sadness. It's not a day that goes by that is not dealing with someone who's a challenging pregnancy, a diagnosis of an illness, a relationship that failed, that was so filled with hope and that dissolved, that broke off. There's such sadness in the world. There's such brokenness in the world. There's such incompleteness in the world. And it sounds like a cliche, but the only way to survive, the only place to get the resiliency and the strength, the only way to endure is to make room for Hashem, is to invite Him in, is to talk to Him. And I always say, if I get in trouble when I get upstairs for it, so be it. But I always say, because I believe it is true, and I believe there's lots of rayas, lots of evidence it's true, that believing in Hashem does not mean that you just accept everything hook, line, and sinker. Avram Avinu says to Hashem, how could you destroy stone? I'm bothered. I'm protesting. I'm objecting. I'm asking you to reconsider and rethink. I'm challenging you, Hashem. How? Moshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem, show me your face. Why do bad things happen to good people? I'm challenging you. I'm not satisfied to live in a world where there are good people and bad things are happening to them. Hashem, reconsider. I'm begging you. I'm protesting. We have a Mesorah, the Rambam talks about and describes when Echad Ibn Achabura, when someone we love and we care about, when someone we're close to is going through a hard time, it should and it does impact and affect every one of us. Hashem, if they're incomplete, I'm incomplete. If they're in pain, I'm in pain. If they're struggling, I'm struggling. So I'm protesting. When we have a Tehillim gathering, what are we doing? We're raising our voice in protest. Not only in request, Hashem, please reconsider. We are here in a protest. We don't understand, we don't accept, we're begging, we're pleading. Change your mind, change your mind. So the only way is to attach ourselves to Hashem. The only way is to assume, to believe. The only way is to be confident, to grow confidence that whatever is happening, there's a reason, it's not, it's not chance, it's not random. It is by design, it is for a reason we may or may not understand in this lifetime and in this world, but ultimately, please God, we will. We're on page Kuf Mem Ches. 148. Oskimel and Rav Yitzchak Meyer of Itcha Meyer <laughs> says the following 
הנה כפי מה שנכנס עוד לשמחה של אמונה, שמחה בהשם יסבורך, כך הוא מקבל כוח הקדושה. The more that a person enters a world of finding happiness and joy in faith, שמחה בהשם יסבורך, כך הוא מקבל כוח הקדושה. You want holiness, you want sanctity, you want meaning, you want purpose, do you want immortality? What is brokenness? Where does it come from? It comes from the feeling of mortality. When we confront our own mortality, we're not going to live forever. And the people around us are not going to live forever. And we can't control everything and micromanage and manipulate everything. When we confront our mortality, when we confront our limitations, when we confront the fact that we're not in control, that's when we feel broken and incomplete. That's when we feel sad and down. So how do we feel happy? What is the opposite? Immortality. When we make contact with our immortality, when we're able to recognize that I will live forever, that my soul is not just the here and now and this world is not the end all and be all, this is a temporary stop. I'm only passing through. There is a world, there is an eternity, there is an immortality that I have. And how do I achieve that? And what makes me believe in that? When I feel connected to Hashem. So what is Kedusha? What is holiness? What is sanctity? Holiness and sanctity is feeling spiritually alive. Spiritually alive. Physically, you could feel alive. A good workout. After a good workout, your juices are flowing, you feel alive. You were a little sluggish, you were a little slow, you were dragging a little bit, and you had a physical workout, and now you woke up and you feel alive. A good schluff, a good sleep, a good nap. You could wake up, you could feel physically alive. But what makes us feel spiritually alive? What makes us feel not spiritually sluggish, not spiritually half asleep, not spiritually dragging? What makes us feel spiritually alive? I'm alive. I'm ready to greet the day. I'm so excited to be here. What makes us feel it? Kedusha, holiness, sanctity. Touching a piece of ourselves, which is the best piece of ourselves. Being in contact and nourishing and allowing the very best, the most real, the most authentic part of ourselves to come alive. Last night at our Fabrengen, at our Tish, at our typical average Tuesday night at the Boca Raton Synagogue, hundreds and hundreds of people packed in, arm in arm, hand in hand, dancing, moving, spontaneous, nobody scripted. Okay, we're going to sing this. At this point, we'll get up and dance, and then we'll uh, break into this. There's a point where the music plays and you just can't sit still. There's a point that your neshama is dancing, so your body has to match it and keep up with it. There's a point that you hear something. Rav Weinberger's vivid, beautiful Torah's vivid, beautiful stories, the image that he's painting of who we could be and what we should want to be. And then our feet start moving again. And we can't help but move and sing and dance. If you missed it, you can watch it online. The whole thing was live streamed, multiple angles. It was a beautiful, beautiful night. Thank you for everyone who came. Thank you for everyone who made it happen. And what made us feel alive? What made us stand and sing and dance? What made us not want... There was one thought that kept going through my head the entire time. One thought. Don't let this end. Just keep going. Ron Essebach, phenomenal. Our music. I just kept... I didn't want to turn my head and look at him because I thought maybe he would misinterpret it that that meant time to wind it down. So I wanted to turn and give him the biggest smile, encouragement, like, this is unbelievable. But I was worried it could be misinterpreted. He would think that meant stop. And all I could think was never stop. I just, wanted, I just want this moment to go on forever. Forever. That feeling that there's not... I, I realized two hours went by. I don't know if you felt this way. I felt this way. Two hours went by. I didn't look at my phone. I didn't look at the clock. I didn't think about how much else I had to do. There was nowhere and nothing else to do when the world was just there, was just there singing 
and dancing slow and fast, listening and dreaming and picturing and imagining and nowhere else and nothing else to do. And that's the, that's the most real part of us coming alive, the most real authentic part of us coming alive. Now, earlier in the day yesterday, making good on a promise to one of my children who needed a new piece, a new piece of technology, starting college, needed a new laptop. So against my better judgment, and arguably against my will, I took her to Town Center Mall to the Apple Store to get a laptop. The idea that somehow going to the mall will fill in whatever's missing <laughs> is mamish. I think Root Canal would have been better, possibly. <laughs> you got to fight for parking, and then you got to go inside, and then you got to find the store you're going to. And now the store you're going to decided there's a quota of how many people can be inside, and you really can't come, and did you make an appointment, and why are you there, and is you... Ah. <laughs> Neiman Marcus, Nordstrom's, Macy's, Bloomingdale's, that's what's going to fill the hole in your heart? For how long will it fill it? How long does the new pair of shoes feel good? Don't answer that question. It's a rhetorical question. It's a rhetorical question. But for how long? For how long? And it's not, for some it's the new pair of shoes, for others it's the new bottle of scotch or the fine wine, for others it's taking the next vacation, for others it's when we try to fill that hole in our heart with something else that's fleeting and that's temporary and temporal, it doesn't last, it's not real. It's not real. You're not a Neiman Marcus, you say, I want this moment to last forever. <laughs> I don't want this to ever end. When I'm here, there's nowhere and nothing else in the world that matters. I feel so alive, I've never felt so alive. And if you do that, and if it makes you feel alive, it's an escape. As soon as the credit card bill comes, <laughs> you're going to pay for it, literally and figuratively. Nobody paid a penny to come last night. Our sponsors generously enabled that to happen. But there's not a cost. You feel alive. You feel alive. That's Kedusha. Mikabal Koacha Kedusha. That's Simcha. Everyone in that room had things on their plate. Everyone in that room has things on our mind. Everyone in that room has things to worry and be concerned about. But in those moments where our neshama is touched, our neshama is nourished, our neshama is brought to life, they just sit on the side for a little bit. Hashem, we'll get back to that. Hashem, I, I, have, I still have some things to talk to you about that. Hashem, I still want to protest that. I'm still angry about that. And I still have some comments on that. But not right now. For now, let's just be together. For now, I'm immortal. For now, I'm alive. Because the Shechina Shechora, where does Hashem dwell? Chazal tells us, Hashem's presence doesn't come to an environment of laziness. Hashem doesn't hang out with the cynics and the scoffers. Hashem doesn't hang out with the sad and the depressed and the downtrodden. That doesn't mean Hashem is not there for them and He doesn't lift their spirits, He doesn't support them. Of course, whatever mood we're in, whatever stage of life, wherever we are, Hashem lifts us, of course. Of course. But it means that Hashem, Lahavdil, is no different than us. Where do you want to hang out? You like to be around the people who are miserable, depressed, negative, nothing's good, always complaining? That's not a club I want to belong to. That's not a place I ever want to visit. I'm allergic to that. Rav Bender, who was here this past Shabbos, was describing that. I try to maximize each of our guests. So first you hear them when they say it. Then I repeat what they said. Then I want to make sure we're getting the most out of everything that they say. I know, I know that's my thing. So when Rav Bender was here, he talked about that. Rav Bender talked about Darche, the yeshiva that he leads, just boys 
has 2,600 students. Every other grade has its own principal, 400 staff members, 2,600 Talmidim of boys, just boys. It's mind-boggling. So they built a big, magnificent, beautiful campus several years ago, and he said, there's one Rebbe, one Rebbe, there's one teacher, there's one staff member, who just, every time he sees him, there's something wrong. The door doesn't close entirely, the window's a little bit stuck, the light, the thing. It's like, they, he fundraised, they poured in tens of millions of dollars, they built a campus there, and this, every time he sees him, there's something wrong. So he said, when he sees that Rebbe coming, he always, he finds the closest door. Because he just can't deal with the negativity. He just can't deal with it. He said recently, he saw him coming, he found the closest door, and he found himself standing in a broom closet. <laughs> That's what he said. But we're all like that, aren't we? Who wants to be around negativity, complaint, negative, what's wrong, what's missing, what's... We want to be besimcha. You want to be around the people who are happy and joyous and amazing. Not obnoxiously so. It's got to be moderated a little bit. But the people who are generally happy. Happy people. That happy energy. Positive energy. Positive thinking. Positive bias. Positive disposition. Positive. Positive because it's contagious. It impacts us. Hashem is no different. So the Shekhin is not shoda. Hashem doesn't want to hang out. Lo mitoch atzvus, lo mitoch atzlus. He doesn't hang out with the sad and the lazy and the cynic. Who wants to be around the cynics? You know what a cynic is? They know the price of everything and the value of nothing. Who said that? Ralph Waldo Emerson? Somebody famous that I found on Google said that. I don't remember who. They said that uh, the cynic knows the price of everything but the value of nothing. The cynic is there. They shoot arrows. You know, there's no question there was someone there last night who I'm describing to you, I hope, what we all felt. There's no question there was someone who said, hey, what's this all about? Enough with the music, start with the speech. I didn't understand the word of the speech. Can we get this over? Why are the lights off? What's going on? Isn't this almost over? I just have to be here. Someone drink. Those people are always there. You want to be sitting next to them? Those people are always there. By the way, they're the ones who need it the most. They're the most broken. They have the biggest hole in their heart. They're hurting the most. They need it the most. Those are usually the biggest cynics who just make a joke out of everything, poke a hole in everything, shoot arrows at everything. That's okay. Nebuchadnezzar. You know what Weinberger did? In the middle of his speech he spoke about it. He said, I saw you people in the back. You weren't dancing. <laughs> so as soon as he finished speaking and the music came back on, he made a beeline. Everyone thought, he has to go to the bathroom. He has to go to the airport. He has to get out. He went right to the back and he put his arms around and he danced with the people in the back. He grabbed the cynics and the scoffers and he just said, let's dance. Let's dance. That's who he danced with. It was unbelievable. I got an incredible email last night from one of those people sitting in the back, not because he was a cynic or a scoffer, but he was shy and he's new to this. And he said it changed his life that Weinberger came to the back, put his arm around him, and danced with him. Right to the back, not to the front where the cameras were. He went right to the back. He went right to the back. So there are always those cynics and scoffers. They're everywhere, everything. That's okay. My question is, do you want to be sitting next to them? You know who else doesn't want to be sitting next to them? Hashem. He's not interested. We're not interested. Negativity. So if we want Shechina to be Shora, if you want contact with the divine, if you want to feel you're in the presence of the divine, if you want to feel connected to immortality, to eternity, then you have to be besimcha. Because that's what Hashem wants to hang out with. You have to be happy and joyous and positive. Sadness is the source of all the mistakes and all the iniquity and all the sins that we do, of all the indiscretions. Whenever we have a fall, people who fall to disgrace, people who fall in life, people who fall... What leads to that fall? Sadness. Often it's sadness. 
Look at so many recovery rooms, addiction. What led to the addiction was sadness. There's a hole in the heart. There's something missing. I, I speak about this all the time. We had an incredible Malava Malka last week celebrating this program we have called ADAPT, which is a partnership of BRS, a Bogartan Synagogue, and Onward Living, a recovery program. Members of our shul have adopted some who are in recovery. They're all from elsewhere. They're here living inpatient recovery. And we have this incredible ADAPT program. And we talked about we celebrated, we honored the people who made it happen, and the host families got together. It was a beautiful love mock this past week. So in addiction, and everyone's an addict, speak to great people, speak to mental health people, and they'll tell you, some addictions have stigma and labels, so we create programs for them. Alcohol, gambling, drugs, pornography, we have names for them. It's less of an addiction if you're in the mall every day and you, you're deep in debt because you're spending money you don't have. Is it less of an addiction when you have to work out in the morning and the afternoon and the evening and you can't stop? Is it less of an addiction if you're a workaholic who can't stop working and compete? We all, they're all addictions that we have. So where, is, where does the addiction come from? Ha'atzvahs. There's a sadness. There's an incompleteness. There's a hole in the heart. So recovery, it's a mistake you try to treat addiction by treating the addiction. It's not about the alcohol. It's not about the drugs. It's not about the gambling. Those are an escape. Those are the way we numb ourselves. Those are the way a person doesn't have to think. So you can go to the mall and lose yourself. A casino doesn't have a clock. A casino doesn't have windows. Casinos don't have windows because they don't want you to know what time it is. Is it day? Is it night? Is it evening? Is it afternoon? Is it morning? Just get lost in here. Don't even lose any sense of time. Casinos don't have clocks because you're not supposed to know any sense of time. So that's a horrible way to lose yourself. Or you could sit like last night and lose yourself in Kedusha, in Tahara, in holiness and in sanctity, in happiness and in joy. Lose yourself in Hashem. So the Shoresh Kola Avonos, what happens is you feel sad, you feel down, you feel out of it. You feel depressed, you feel unworthy, you feel inconsequential, you feel incapable, you feel dismissed. And then you reach for something to fill that hole. A substance, a behavior, an action, a credit card. Who klipa gemura? Atzvus is a klipa. You know, in the world of Kabbalah, the world of Hasidus, it's not just Hasidus. It's not just Kabbalah. It goes back. It's basic Judaism. But there's an inner light in Oraganos. There's a, a sense of a light that we have. Our core neshama, the shorosh of our neshama, the root and the source of our neshama, the foundation of our neshama is light. We are a piece of God, literally. He has pl- placed and planted a piece of himself in us. In us. If our children are our DNA, if our children look like us, if we love our children because they are an extension and a piece of us, then that's what we are to the Rebbe Shalom. That's what we are to Hashem. We have His DNA in us. We are a chilek elokami ma'al mamash. We are literally a piece of Hashem. Literally a piece of Hashem. We're literally a piece of Hashem. So we have the light of Hashem. We have the holiness of Hashem. We have the purity of Hashem. We have the positivity of Hashem. What happens? Klipa. Klipa is the shell. Klipa is a shell. Klipa is a, is a, is a peel. It's a klipa. It's an, even in modern Hebrew. If you have an orange with a, with a peel, you have a nut with a shell, and you have to peel it. You have to open the nut. You're removing the klipa. The cloth, you're, you're peeling, you're removing. So we have this inner neshama. It's pure, and it's holy, and it's the source of light. Hashem, the neshama you gave me, it didn't have all the shtick. It didn't have sadness. It didn't have my idiosyncrasies. It didn't have my 
inner conversations in my head. The neshama you gave me, it was pure. It was pure. And then there are klipas that cover it. There are layers. So like an onion, we have to just peel back, keep peeling away, peel away. Sometimes something just penetrates right through that onion, goes right to the core. A night like last night. I'm not exaggerating. I think those who were there last night would tell you I'm not exaggerating what it was like. And in Mirza Hashem, we repeat that and we create that for ourselves and our families. Every Shabbos, our Shabbos table is supposed to be like last night. Our singing and our Dvar Torah and our stories and our... It doesn't have to, we don't have to rely on others and outsource it to others. We're the Rebbe. Men and women, we're the Rebbe's at our, at our Shabbos table. We're the Rebbe's at our Shabbos table. I saw online, I'm going to get this wrong, Belzer or Babavar, I don't know which Rebbe it's in right now, is in London. And she has a tit, the way she's being treated. Somebody posted that in that Hasidus, I forgot which it was. The Rebetzin is like a Rebbe. She has tishes, the women come, and like royalty, and they're treated, and what they do, and how they share, and, and what she looks like, and what she wears. I saw a picture. We're all, it's, it's to all of us, we all have this responsibility to transform our Shabbos table in our lives, to create last night, not once a year, not once a week, but regularly, but regularly, to peel back the onion, to peel back the klipa, and to penetrate and to get right to the core, to that light, and to reveal it and to remind ourselves that, yeah, I'm going to go to work, and i got to do homework, and it's midterms. I'm going to kill them. They're going to kill me. I don't know which will come first. Yeah, life's going to get in the way. Life's not always going to be amazing and hunky-dory and light and singing and dancing. Sometimes going to feel down and out and sad. It's going to be bad news, sad news. Going to confront another thing. Someone's going to ask me to go to the mall. Lo <laughs> aleinu. <laughs> So, yeah, there's going to be those moments. There's going to be those moments. But, you know, if I make contact with the light on the inside, even when the klipa comes back, but I remember, I know what's inside. I know the real me. I know the most authentic me. I know the truest me. I know the best me. I know the me I dream to come back to over and over. I said goodbye to Rav Weinberger this morning. I said, could you take out your calendar? You can't. We have to find the date for next year now. I don't want to reach out next year and say, I'll try, maybe, I don't know, I have to see, it's busy. Now, we got to do this annually. We have to do it again and again. To do it again and again, why? Because we felt something real. So there'll be layers of klipa in between, but we want to go back, we want to get back to it. And those layers, those klipas, those peels, those covers, those shells, they cover and they cause us to forget Torah. We forget that Torah is our anchor, we forget Torah is our compass, we forget Torah is our, there are glasses, there are vision, the way that we see and navigate the world. Sadness, being down and out, being negative and critical and hypercritical and hypercritical causes us to forget our Torah and our Avodah. This was last week's Parsha. Last week's Parsha, two weeks ago's Parsha. Last week's Parsha. The Jewish people came, they went three days without water, they came to Marah, and they complained. Why they complained? Because the water was bitter. Simple understanding of the Torah is, the water was bitter, so they complained about the bitterness of the water. But the Kotzker, our Heilig, the Kotzker says, it wasn't the water that was bitter. It says, Kimarim Haim. You know what was bitter? The people. There's a phenomenon called the missing tile syndrome. You walk into this room, recently redone, they did a beautiful job, our Helegas Fardim. So you can look at this beautiful mosaic on the wall. You look at the tiles in the ceiling. So naturally, psychologically, we walk into that room and our eyes are not drawn to everything that is there, to everything that looks beautiful, to everything that's coordinated, to everything that's synchronized. You know where our eyes are drawn? 
Did you see the stain in the corner tile? That tile's missing. Where's that piece of the mosaic? It's called the, it's not, it's a psychological term. You can look it up. It's called the missing tile syndrome. We see and we feel and we think about the missing tile. Kim marim heim. We see what's missing, not what's there. We make a bigger deal and inflate. Instead of looking, the church cover says, why was it called Mara? Bitterness. Hashem ended up making it sweet. If you want to commemorate and memorialize a miracle that happened in a place, then call it the place of sweetness. Matok. Why do you call it Mara? Bitterness. So if you look at the Pasuk, it says that he was Yimtiku Amayim. He made the water sweet. He didn't say, pour out that water, get another glass. He didn't say, get rid of that pitcher, I'll bring you new water. He made the same water that it tasted bitter, he made the water sweet. You find the sweetness within the bitter. You don't have to look elsewhere and you don't have to replace. We can find the sweetness within the bitter. How can we do that when it's not Marimahim? If we're bitter, everything will look bitter. The missing tile. But can you see the tiles that are near? They're not the ones that are missing. You know, uh, last Shabbos, we, um, there was an event at someone's house and we got a name wrong in the weekly. There was a good reason. It was given to us wrong by somebody and we had the wrong name. So the shul called to apologize. That's what the, we're in the business of. We are professional apologizers. <laughs> so we called to apologize. So Baruch Hashem, the person who answered, is such a wonderful person. They said, oh, who cares? Nothing, that's what you're apologizing for. And he said, let me tell you a story. He said, I once used to live somewhere and there was an older person in the shul and it was a small shul and the rabbi used to wish people a happy birthday and the rabbi forgot to wish the person a happy birthday. Forgot to wish them a happy birthday. The person was so upset, so angry, they stormed out of shul and they started a minion in their house and they began a breakaway because the rabbi didn't wish a happy birthday. So some from the shul went to the house to try to reconcile, make them feel better, not threatened by a new shul, but come back, let's be together, you belong in shul. So the man said to him, the man said to the person, the emissary of the shul said, you know, in my entire life, I've never been mistreated like this. My whole life, I've never been treated so badly. So the person from the shul looked at him and said, weren't you in Auschwitz? It's a Holocaust survivor. He said, weren't you in Auschwitz? This is the worst you've ever been treated? So the man said, after Auschwitz, this is the worst I've ever been treated in my life. It's a true story. It's a true story. There's no judgment. Anyone who's been through that, there's no judgment. No judgment at all. Anyone who's been through that. Chalila, chas v'shalom. Zero judgment of anyone who's been through that Gehenim. Zero. Zero. But you miss a birthday. Kimarim heim. Is it Mara or is it Matok? Can we find the sweetness within the bitter? Which are we? So sadness, bitterness, resentment, negativity, hypercriticism. We destroy our whole world. No one wants to be around us. No one wants to be around us. Our relationships aren't real. Our relationships aren't deep. They're not filled with love. And you know who else among those who don't want to be around us? Not our spouse, not our children, not our friends, not our coworkers. Maybe they humor us or maybe they're obligated to, but no one really wants to be there. And you know who else is on the list who doesn't want to be anywhere near you? Shem says, good luck. God bless. Go to the mall. <laughs> Go to the mall. 
if we want Hashem to be with us, if we want to feel His presence, if we want to feel connected and attached, if we want to have mental health, spiritual health, physical health, if we want to draw love and happiness and joy, if we want to find meaning and purpose, Simcha Sachayim. Smile. A joy, even when we don't feel like it, put that smile on our face. Kikasha, we'll do one more paragraph. When the Yitzhahara drags us down and knocks us over and brings us to a place of sadness, says, you're no good, you're not good, and you're not equal, you're not valuable, you're not the same. And says, you have no talents and no skills and no assets, you're a nothing, you're a gurnisht, you're an oizvarf. Forget, tries to cause us to forget you, Ben Melech. Royalty, you're a prince? Ha! Who told you that? You're a reject. That causes us to give up, to despair. I, I guess I'm a reject. I guess I'm hopeless. I guess I'm, I guess I'm inconsequential. I guess I'm unworthy. I guess I'm incapable. So why bother? I guess if I have no space and there is no room for me in the world of holiness and sanctity, there's no place for me in the world of serving Hashem. There's no mission for me to serve in His army in this world. I guess I'll just go try the drugs and alcohol. I'll just go immerse myself in gambling or, or in acting out. Bashar Nafilos, all the other ways that we fall down. All the other ways that we fall down. So that's why Rav Shemayar will come back, we'll continue. We will not continue with this next week. It's Yeshiva week, we're on break next week. It's Yeshiva week, everyone should spend time with family. So we're on break next week. You can listen to one of the old hundreds of ones online if you need a little shot of emuna. But in two weeks, Amir Tashem will continue. That that's why Simcha is a foundation of Avoda. I don't care how hard you shuckle, I don't care how much you say Baruch Hashem, I don't care how scrupulous and vigilant you are with mitzvos. I don't care which Erev or Kashros you don't even hold of, but you're not really a religious person if you're not Pesimcha. If you're sad and depressed and miserable and critical, I don't care how righteous and religious your kid's resume says you are, but you're a fraud. To really have avoda, to really have amuna, is to be Pesimcha. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy. Tonight, 9 o'clock. We go behind the beam with Rav Yitzchak Adlerstein. You will not want to miss this conversation. He's the director of interfaith relations for Simon Wiesenthal. We'll talk about which missionaries we raise our voice to drive from the neighborhood. Who can we cooperate with for good causes? Tonight, 9 o'clock. Be well.